Allen. You may be very sweet, but you're not sexy. You're awkward. You're clumsy. You can see how desperate you are. You can't stand the marriage. I don't find you any fun. I feel you suffocate me. I don't feel any rapport with you, and I don't think you physically. Oh, for God's sake, Alan, don't take it personal. Goodbye, Alan. They say that dames are simple. They never met one who didn't understand a slap in the mouth or a slug from a 45. You know, Sharon, a dame like you... I'm 29. The height of my sexual potency was 10 years ago. The world is full of eligible women. All you gotta do is whistle. Alan, this is Sharon. Hello. Hey, would you like to go to dinner this evening? Oh, <laughs> that's right to the point. What are you doing Saturday night? Committing suicide. What about Friday night? He likes neurotics. Oh, I like blondes. Little blondes with long hair and short skirts and boots and big chests. She's a doll. I would sell my mother to the Arabs for her. Tonight, the doctors told me that I was frigid. Oh, I want to thank you for proving them wrong. You never thought you could make it with dames. Well, you can. Look, all you got to do is make your move and you're home free. Tell her that you've met a lot of dames, but she is really something special. Oh, that you won't believe. Oh, no? I have met a lot of dames, but you are really something special. Really? She bought it. Come with us now, if you dare. Down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> you are listening to the amazing Saturday Night Freak Show podcast, which happens every Saturday night right here on your internet radio dial. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn FM and a couple others. Or you can get a hold of us at Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. Is it always amazing? Is it always amazing? Well, this one's going to be amazing. amazing. It's usually amazing. It's always very exciting. It's always exciting, if nothing else. So, I'm your host, Colin. I'm surrounded by the internet radio superstars. Travis. Brent. Sean. Sean, welcome back. Sean, welcome back. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Tonight we watch Travis's pick, 
Travis, what did we watch? Tonight? We watched Play It Against Sam, my uh, one of my favorite Woody Allen movies. I know, like the freak show <laughs> is usually not known for uh, such high class humor and uh, highbrow, <laughs> highbrow high comedy. <laughs> Some uh, Eastern, uh, <laughs> like a uh, well, this was yeah, so. East Coast, East Coast, Eastern, Russian, some Chinese. Uh, yeah, humor. I was looking for the word. <laughs> it's East Coast comedy or humor on the West Coast. Yeah, but I'm sure that was just I don't know. What, do you think a director? Or, yeah, because I, I mean, usually all Woody Allen movies are all New York, New York. Yeah, yeah. Right. you know, but this movie, but you know, I'm sure that was something to do with. Well, this one, you know, if, on the, making it on the cheap, might as well film it. If I night. saw the opening credits correctly, so Woody Allen did not direct it, but it uh, he wrote the play upon which it was based and wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah, because I don't, I want to say his first few movies. I don't know if this was the first one he. Uh, he wrote and starred in because he was in like the front and Casino Royal, but he was just kind of starring in. He was also in uh, what's it was new? like Zelig and all that stuff. Zelig, he did uh, before he was, this. No, that was after. and what's new? Pussycat and uh, what's or new, Tiger Lily? What new? Ti- yeah, I don't know when, <clears throat> but uh, hmm. we should probably have like a filmography. <laughs> Is there a Captain Google around here? Captain Google's going. <laughs> it's going not knowing. Well, Woody Allen's like, uh, I mean, just... But he you know, wrote the play. This was based off a yeah. play he wrote. So I imagine at some point in time, I don't know if, like, the, like, bananas, because, like, all his really goofy stuff, I want to say it was before this. I think so. And then this was the first kind of, like, kind of serious, because you can see how this really is, like, a mixture of, like, if you watch, like, Annie Hall or Manhattan and watch Bananas, this is kind of that mixture where there's that real... Blur of reality for humor's sake, and uh, or there's like these fantasy sequences, or well, fantasy and like I mean, the hair dryer that oh, blows yeah. oh, away, yeah. it's like slap drinking yeah. the uh, yeah. cologne, you know, just yeah. real like, yeah, yeah, coming out of the shower with the uh, the shower, <laughs> cap. The shower cap. yeah, no, it's just like real, you know, real just goofy, fucking off the wall shit that 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 is reminiscent of the really earlier movies that have like no seriousness to it, it's all. You know, just pure comedy, and then, uh, and this is his first collaboration with Diane Lane or Keaton, Diane Keaton. Keaton. Sorry, yeah. As far as I know, how many movies did they do together? It says right on the cover. This is the first one they did. This yeah, is the first one they did together. Right. Yeah, uh, but I mean, they did Annie Hall, Manhattan. Help me out here, Hannah uh, and her sisters. I don't think Woody Allen's in Hannah and her sisters. Uh, you write it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just he wrote and directed it. Yeah. He wrote. I mean, Woody Allen. Only like only the first like three or four movies he was in did he not write. Right. Is every movie something he's written? Like it's ever since right? that. It's been, right? Then, ever since that point. Uh, uh, and ants, I wanna, ants he didn't write. Yeah, Ants he did yes. not write for sure. <laughs> right. And what and was that the one? New with, one uh, with uh Gigolo, the new uh one with uh the dude from Old Brother Where Art Thou. Oh yeah. Uh what's that called? Something Gigolo. Uh Faded. Gigolo. Fading Gigolo, something like that. Was there one he was in with? Oh God, what am I thinking of? It had uh, Mighty Aphrodite. What's her? Mira Sorvino was in it, or yeah, Antonio Banderas, and I think yeah, and he was in it. It was something that scene from a marriage. I got to can't remember. Mall? Was it? No, I mean that scenes from a mall. Yeah, okay, I can't remember the title. I remember a movie that I saw in the, like the mid '90s. It was a Buena Vista thing, and uh, he was in it, but I don't think he wrote or directed it. It was like Paul Mazursky. 
If you have the answers, listener, please call it or write in and tell us. At Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I got the impression that I have off of a lot of his movies, especially his early ones, uh, that he's, you know, what comes across is that he's a diehard movie aficionado. This I movie starts out, he's like watching Casablanca in a theater, and then the whole thing, like, kind of, it's his version of trying to figure out what that sacrifice at the end of Casablanca was like for Humphrey Bogart. I mean, this is the first movie I ever saw by Woody Allen, and that's why it just, you know, I mean, the love affair right from the get-go, you know, because it's like, holy fuck, this character is just sitting here, like, immersed in the end of this movie. You know, you watch the entire last... Seven yeah. minutes of, of Casablanca, Casablanca. Yeah. Yeah. and the guy, and he's just like staring at the screen, like with his mouth gaping open. You can even see, like, when when uh, Humphrey Bogart speaking his lines, he's like curling his lip, and he's yeah, like sitting yeah, yeah. in his seat, like, yeah, it's you just, know, like, really like pretending too. to be this guy, you know, yeah. yeah. So but it's I just think when you watch that as a movie fan, right? Yeah, you know, you're think seeing right away, a movie you're fan like, like okay, yeah, you know, you, everybody is this guy, right? Right. Yeah. Everybody. Well, if you're <laughs> a movie, if fan. you love movies, yeah, yeah. you are this guy, you yeah. know. Even though his whole like neurotic thing, like soon comes like right after with the whole like you know, like you know, that's just Humphrey Bogart. You know, it's the movies. No one's that's that, that cool and right. You know, he starts yeah. taking all the pills out of his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know, it's a sandwich. This, is, this yeah. movie, I want to say, is the movie. At least to me, I mean, I've seen most, if not all, Woody Allen movies. But to me, this seems like the movie that really solidified the neurotic personality that he's oh. known for. Where I don't, I mean, he always displays a neurotic sensibility in his movies. But this is the one where I mean, the joke is like elaborate of you know taking the pill bottles out the whole you know well just yeah. he's so uh insecure i guess like that's the thing you know i guess it's a neurosis but it's his insecurity right he's insecure in his own skin he's like know? the raw yeah. nerve that's supposed to yeah. be like the, the the little like voice that everybody has right but his is just out there in the forefront for you to see right. you know in a weird way <laughs> like i like how uh I mean, probably specifically because it was written like a play, but I like how they kept that for the movie. You know, the whole... Uh, the other day I was just thinking how a lot of people always say how uh, a narration is like a, a, foul, a fail of a movie, right? If you have a narration explaining things, that's a... But I think right. narration kind of comes from theater, right? When you just have a dude on stage mm-hmm. kind of just telling it out, he's like in his room, wandering around, doing what he does, but he's thinking out loud to himself about the situation. Well, it's like an aside, right? They call it, it's an aside. You're talking to the audience about what you're thinking without the characters that you're in the scene with being able to hear you. So it's like the, you're getting the inner monologue. But when you have narration, if it, especially if it comes from like a third party, you know, someone who's not in the movie yeah. or has a, you know, then it's like, I think that's like a level below. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, I mean, narration by the character. You know, oh, like we've uh, seen Sin City and stuff, oh, okay, you know, yeah, just yeah. that thing, you know, a lot of people think that's a bad it. thing. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. It, has, it has been done badly, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, probably I mean, probably more so than than well. Yeah, especially if it's the um, the omniscient narrator. Yes. I mean, aside from what I'm just talking about with, like, how I think, oh, it might come, it might come from this whole theater thing. I mean, is that mostly a detective noir thing? Is that mostly just because mm. of how they would write the books? Yeah. 
You know, oh, they yeah, try to put that Raymond into the Chandler's movie. Like uh, pros, they're trying to figure like we got to capture this because this is what really yeah, makes. Yeah, you get like like in Watchmen, you got Rorschach's like you yeah. know, voiceover stuff mm-hmm. like yeah. that. So, but I've just always liked the, that type of movie where a character. I mean, movies like Ferris Bueller's, they kind of like expand on it. But I mean, shit, that even goes back to like. You guys have seen that like black and white show? Dobie Gillis can't, yeah, can't yeah. win. Oh, you know, or yeah. he the he, many the many loves of Dobie the, Gillis. The many loves of Dobie Gillis. What the hell is Dobie? Parker, Parker Lewis. Lewis. Parker Lewis, Lewis can't lose. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Wow, that's funny. Why didn't anybody call that out right away? <laughs> I, I thought it was a real thing. I was on it, but then he's like Dobie Gillis. Like the many loves. I'm like, fuck, he's right. That's the name of the show. What the hell is Dobie Gillis can't win? Parker uh, Lewis, but this is once again the same type of show, right? Yeah. The same type of show where this character is is excusing him, like breaking the fourth wall to yeah. tell you his like deepest freaking insecurities or whatever. My most recent example that I actually like is those uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. Like even though they're kind of like family films, they have the same thing where the kid, you know, kind of breaks that fourth wall. He constantly tells you his. Uh, his thought process of the situation, right? You know? But those guys actually turn around and talk right to the camera, then, yeah. Because he doesn't do that in this, and this, he's just kind of having these, he's like he, thinking out loud he's, for yeah, the yes. benefit of the audience. That's why I think this is this is more the theater thing. The camera, this yeah. is the oh, theater yeah. thing. Yeah. He's yeah. walking around the uh, the stage, yeah. yeah, just talking about like I can't believe she left me, blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> yeah. It even gets theatrical <laughs> at certain points, you know. Um, where he's standing at the mirror and then the lights go down in the back or they come up and some yeah, that was great. and comes up. Like, that's good. That yeah, was, like, that was like the before. most was, inspired. Yeah, yeah man. that was amazing. I, I got to credit that too. Probably, you know, the original staging must have been something. I'm assuming something, of that something like yeah. that. Yeah, and I can see sure. in my head the whole with Bogart walking around and, and being part of it and everything. Yeah, that being part of the stage. For the, uh, for the audience, Humphrey Bogart as a character plays a, a, a plays a part in this movie where he's the ideal version of you know uh, his ego yeah, yeah the I male guess. ego he's yeah. the ideal version and he's it's the male ego trying to like coax his insecure side towards you know how to just be yourself basically uh yeah. but yeah I mean he's the ideal that like the Woody Allen character wants to aspire to be yeah, or wishes he's a he super could be. ego mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah yes yeah yeah he yeah, knows sure. he knows he never can be that, but he would love to be that. But I guess that because he's over, he's like being overreaching, right? He he's trying to reach that Bogart level. That's like he's yeah. imagining Bogart, and uh, you know that's too because I mean obviously he's never going to be Bogart. Right. You know, that's why Woody it's, Allen. it's so great in that scene when uh, like Bogart's trying to get him to kiss Diane Keaton because. Like it's all within his imagination, so he can only get him up to that certain point where the actual kiss has to happen, and then, and through his imagination, Bogart gets shot because, like, now he's on his own. Like yeah, he's, yeah. you know, it's like uncharted territory for this character. Like in this situation, what is he going to do? You know, is he is he going to kiss her? Is he because it's not just like going out with a girl and kissing her. It's dealing with infidelity. It's dealing with you know. Well, you know, your best friend. Yeah. Are you gonna are you gonna cross that line? And if you do, what's gonna happen? Well, he handles it like a neurotic. He does, yeah. <laughs> well, I like how because I mean that when his when the at the beginning when the uh, character's wife leaves him, you know, she's talking about how you know he he's just one of life's watchers. You know, she's a doer. She wants to go do things. You know, so he's insecure about uh, 
you know, the idea that, I mean, what, he's just kind of almost like, what, like a non-person in a weird way, right? I mean, she's, like, kind of accusing him of being this, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, like, almost nothing in a weird way because all you do is watch movies. You know, I want to, I'm going to leave you because, I mean, you know, I either never... she wants excitement somehow, you know, to live life. But it's kind of funny. So, yeah, he he feels diminished because of that. He feels like a non-person, like you said, but it's this friendship with Diane Keaton, who's Tony uh, Roberts' wife, you know, she's like, you're fine, you know, for this and this and this. these are the things that, you know, I like about you. So, like, he's, there is a self-worth there, I guess, that he finds through her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even yeah. though his wife, you know, obviously didn't see any of that. <laughs> well, it is kind of interesting, like, how, you know, it's like the people that you meet in life, like, you know, do, uh, you know, contribute or subtract from your own, the way that you see yourself, you know. Yeah. That's true. I mean, she's almost a personality type. She's more similar to him. She's just in this nice package where he's kind of in this Jewish neurotic package, you know? Yeah. yeah. But that's but, I mean, where, they, when they're talking earlier about uh, about what the medication they're taking with apple juice and everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Parvon and apple juice is magnificent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good joke. But I mean, most of the movie's comedy comes from just watching this guy who, like you said, is a, like a raw nerve. I mean, he is just like completely clumsy, completely out of sorts in any kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's primarily, you know, set in the dating world. They're trying, you know, after he's, his wife's divorced him, his two friends are trying to hook him up. So there's like a series of uh, dates that they're trying to put him on. And in each one of these, I mean, they're just like, you know, he's just completely, completely inept. <laughs> but I mean, it gets a lot of mileage out of that. You know, it's humorous, yeah. but it's just kind of interesting because, you know, when you're looking at it, you're like, man, this guy is just a fucking wreck. I mean, like, there's no way that he can, you know, perform in any situation. But they make a, uh, or Diane Keaton has insight into his personality. She's like, every time you meet somebody, you're putting on this mask. Mm-hmm. It's like you're putting on the, and that's why it's all going fucking fuck all for you. Yeah. You know, it's because you can't maintain, you know, you're trying to be this suave guy and you're not, and you're fucking it up all over the place. But. Yeah. And talk about chewing the scenery. This guy devours the scenery, like, in every <laughs> single date. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. I like how they also, I mean, since this is a movie from the early 70s, that's when they were still kind of like looking at women's sexuality, you know, so like each of these women's kind of like, you know, they're looking at a different personality that he is making assumptions of in a weird way, right? Like that one woman who's like a pervert, or she talks openly about sex, and he's sitting there like, you know, he's gonna like fucking jump on her, right? And then she's like, "What do you take me for?" <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> this is after she's telling him like, "I want to have sex all the time as much as <laughs> I, I had sex with everyone in high school, <laughs> like the teacher, the." <clears throat> yeah. What yeah. kind of woman do you think I am, or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, that was it's. Funny. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, uh... Jesus, it's, so, it's surprising how uh, entertaining, like, the film can be. I mean, it's... Because the character is... I don't know, he's... Like, you get the character pretty early on. But, like, the physical... I guess maybe it's the physical comedy in this movie. I mean, it's a, it's a smart script or a smart story, but also yeah. just how how much he... He, you know, the the personality of the character and his anxiety and all of his fears, you know, becoming a reality. 
and how he deals with it. It's all very, very physical in this film, and it's it's hilarious. I think it's like I a mean, laugh for, a minute. It's like absurd. The dialogue can be absurd. They say things that really don't need to like have any like meaning in reality. Right. They'll just say things that you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just like time jokes. Well, I know that this is clearly like on Travis's wavelength because he was sitting in the back uh, row that's just cackling like a madman. Yeah, and, oh. every, and, and, I, every... and that was me keeping myself like silent so you guys can hear the jokes. Like, this is one of those movies where I like really just think about every jo- every joke. I'm just thinking about the situation, not necessarily the the, the, the delivery, but just like, yeah. oh my god, it's genius. When he turns around. When, uh, there's that Susan woman the first date and uh, he's trying to impress her and uh, they say like oh, I could rain later and he turns around he's like I love the rain it washes memories off the sidewalk all right. <laughs> you know just just, just the, stands there yeah just just the idea that he thought he was going to impress this girl with this like really deep thought man oh Jesus it just like it kills me man this is yeah Woody Allen movies I'll laugh for like a good like minute before the joke's going to happen and a good like minute after because I'm just like that's genius it is. It is so pretty brilliant. Funny. It is, yeah. It's, it's funny stuff. <laughs> but uh, Tony Roberts' character, I like how Tony Roberts returns with his like helmet of hair. He's got oh, that yeah, perfect, yeah. that it's perfect so like, bro, or the yeah, it's, I, that it's so it is long. perfectly round and soft. It, so it we is. are calling this an afro then. It's Tony definitely an afro. The white man's afro. small, but yes, yeah, it's definitely. But uh, he's another guy that's been in like at least the shit, almost the first like. Almost half a dozen Woody Allen movies. I was going to say, like, I mean, aside from like Amityville 3D and Popcorn, I'm trying to think of like what I've seen him in that wasn't a Woody Allen movie. (laughs) He's just part of Woody Allen's like company of actors. Yeah, and maybe he started on the stage with like one of his stuff. Maybe Maybe. that's where I can imagine where they met. Maybe yeah, yeah. Because I don't know. I'm not sure if Woody Allen like played this character on the stage or if if, it was given to other people or whatever. But maybe Tony Roberts started with his character on the stage. Maybe Mm -hmm. he seems like stage actor. Yeah, right. He's got that. Definitely does presence. Well. I forgot what my point was going to be. Something about Tony Roberts. Oh, his character is, you know, he's the, so he's the husband of Diane Keaton and, and the, their dynamic is, you know, they're in love with each other, but he's always uh, working in stocks or something like that. And one of the running jokes is this is before the invention of the mobile phone. So, you know, everywhere he goes, he has to call the office and I'm at this number. And in 15 minutes, to... I'll be here. This is the number. Yeah. And then later on, I'm going home, so you can call me there at this number. And Yeah. Which I thought it was going to be a one-off, and then they do it throughout the film. Throughout. And yeah. It never <laughs> loses steam. It's great. <laughs> Even in the fantasy thing, we're like, maybe he won't be upset that I'm having sex with his wife, and you know he's just going to take off and go to Alaska. Like, well, that's what, that's what happens. I'm going to go to Alaska. You <laughs> yeah. can reach me at Great White North 065. Yeah. Great White Tundra 065. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, so that dude's too busy for Diane Keaton. So obviously, him and uh, or her and Woody well, Allen spend their time together as she's like trying to hook him up with girls. That's kind of interesting too, because you you know you watching this film, you don't get the impression that these two people are in love. It seems like he's distant because he's got his work right. He does the stocks thing. She has more in common with Woody Allen. But it's not till the end of the film that you realize, and when the characters realize it, that they are, you know, actually they, they, they have, do love because they stuff. have like casual like days together. They yeah. hang out casually, and then like 
they just decide like, hey, come over, we'll eat steaks, we'll watch this movie. I like how that was like a thing, you know, like Channel Three is playing this old movie, you know. Yeah. Well, it was interesting too, like you know, on that, like there's no televisions. I don't think in any of their apartments or the beach <laughs> house they go to. But Woody Allen has like a collection of 16 millimeter movies and a yeah, projector, can. and his, and I think that. he is like a projectionist or a film archivist. He's a like, he's yeah. a writer, isn't he? Yeah, he's like a film critic or something. Like that. Film he, critic, he right? Yeah, like send the movies to do, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. And in back in the day, you know, when theater. television consisted mostly, I think of like movies being played. You know, yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get together, and, like, this is where we can actually, like, watch a movie tonight on TV. The late show's playing, you know, The Big yeah. Sleep or whatever. Yeah, The Big right. Sleep. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, so that's how, you know, he gets, like, you know, excited about it, and he didn't see himself, like, what the fuck? You know, I'm actually... That's a joke that a uh, family guy has stolen. Brian wants to <laughs> seduce uh, Lois. <laughs> The whole Linda, my darling, Linda, my darling. Yes, Linda, that's darling. right. Yeah, yeah. That, with yeah. the guitar, like in <laughs> oh, every fantasy, they got the guitar, and he's like yeah. attacking her. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, the Tony Roberts Diane Keaton relationship. I mean, they it did seem. I was trying to figure out like how long they had been married, kind of thing. Because I mean, I mean, I got the idea that they were in love, but it's like they're 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 in love. Or sorry, they've been together for so long that they're in like a secure kind of situation where it's like, you know, ah, we're going to hang out with so-and-so tonight. Right. Nobody thinks you know anything about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even though Tony Roberts is more the mover and the shaker, I think in the social world than she is. She's a, is she a model? She's a model. She, yeah. yeah. So she knows some models, but, like, we really don't get to see her social life. She's another, like, uh, anxious type of personality. Yeah, like, neurotic person. And she likes hanging out with Woody Allen's character. Uh, Tony Roberts is kind of moving and shaking in, like, the uh, the corporate social circle. So he, like, knows all these beautiful girls he's trying to hook Woody Allen up with. But at no point, like, usually you get the impression that, like, this guy doesn't really care for his wife and, you know, he's off banging all these girls on the side. But I never really got that impression. No, he really really is just busy. Yeah, Yeah. he really is just too busy. He really loves stocks. And just really, like, yeah, I mean, everything he talks about He relates everything back to stocks. You make an investment, it doesn't pay off. You move on, you know, you... uh, Yeah, because there's that scene where they, they all go to the beach house together, to the beach together, and, like, Tony Roberts has a meeting at the beach house, and then, like, you see uh, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen, they just go off, you know, yeah. somewhere and go talk while he's doing his thing. That's where I got the impression that she's kind of this, you know, stay-at-home wife, you know, homemaker, and uh, so she like has modeling. a lot of time, you know. Yeah, maybe she just hands. does modeling whenever. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, Models yeah. Paid a lot. I, I, I suppose it's a freelance <laughs> thing. Probably seems like a pretty fucking fancy job. <laughs> you probably only got to do it a few times a year, yeah. once or twice a month, taking photos. You just stand around and get your picture taken. Yeah. <laughs> That's really all it is. It can't be that difficult. Yeah. yeah, right. I was trying to figure out in that scene, and maybe I missed it, but like they because there was intercutting between the meeting that Tony Roberts is having, where he's talking about stocks and his investments, mm-hmm. and then you're cutting back to Diane Keaton and Woody Allen walking along the beach. And they're talking, I think, about, I was always like, what's the parallel here? And I, that's what I'm saying. I think I missed it. But mm-hmm. it's like they were talking about like a personal investment, right, in the people that they love or the interests that they have. And he's talking about like, if you're going to make it, you know, investment in the long term, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he's quick. talking about it going down over time, which kind of parallels oh, their relationship. Okay, so I think that's is. the parallel. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. Because she's, you know, basically like, you know, things have become complacent, I think, in their relationship. And so the attention that Woody Allen is showing her is his character's named Allen, too, yes. in this movie. Which is yeah. Awesome. I have to imagine he played this character on the stage. Right. Then he wrote it for himself. I can't imagine anybody else playing it. <laughs> no, no. Right. So she is responding to the attention that he's giving her. He's conscientious enough to remember, like, this, what is it, the little skunk or something? The little that, skunk thing, that yeah. She, that he gives her, you know, it's like, oh, you remembered, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he's always talking about, like, all he, how much he, when he loves his ex-wife, you know, he would write her poems and do all this. And she's like, oh, you know, I don't know what it's even like to be loved like that, you know. So she's kind of saying, man, this is, you know, something that she would like to see her husband do, like. Yeah. Impression I got. Right. And like Woody Allen's actually doing this for all these women who like don't appreciate it back. But it's also the 70s. So like I think that as a woman of the 70s, she's kind of she's open to, you know, other possibility other gentlemen callers uh, would you get, say what? so is that like a, oh yeah because uh, when she goes at the end like sh- that whole dialogue between them in the kitchen when she comes over to watch the movie that's all very much she like, says she could never have a you know that's all about loving two men that's not necessarily about fucking two men that's about right. literally being in love with two men well, yeah, but I mean, from Woody Allen's point of view, he's looking at it as, you know, hooking up. Or, well, I mean, he's in love with her, too, but along yeah. with that comes... Well he's, well, he's looking for a verification that if he makes a move on her, it yeah. will be accepted. You know, because, I mean, this is a guy trying to, like, get onto his fucking friend's wife or whatever, you know? So, so he's trying to read the signals. Yeah, he's trying to read signals, so he's just like, you know, do you... Well, what were they... Well, she came over, she's like, there's this other movie talking about, so I'm like, is that... <laughs> like I mean, I mean, with Ida Lupino? No, who was it? It was, it was Ida, yeah, Ru- I think it was Ida Lupino. That dude was because yeah, she was coming over to watch The Big Sleep, and then she comes over. And she's like, "Let's watch this movie." And we're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> no, <laughs> well, yeah, we're watching the, the Big Sleep, but The Big Sleep like, was on the late show. Over to do <laughs> there, this other movie was on first. Then oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Well, she yeah, also man. talks about rape yeah, and wondering <laughs> if she would like it. I mean, like there, the, right. there's dialogue in this movie that like no it's all well it's all about your psychological you know because i mean come on let's think let's really let's think about it there's a thin line between you being a creep and you being a stud and all it is is a woman's perception a woman wants a man that's aggressive you know but if she doesn't like you it's creepy if she likes you she's like fucking right on you know that's i think what she was really saying like you know a woman wants an aggressive dude but there's that thin line of like Beret yeah. Day, you know. Right. And that just brings up the question that Woody Allen's trying to figure out. Well, how does she feel about me? Right. Yeah. If, if I if attack I her, right. will it be rape or will it be like right. this is you know, the fantasy. This is the dream come true of this stud studly man taking charge over me and right. you know And the fantasy it ends up he's attacking he's like, No, no <laughs> He starts grabbing her face at one point. I'm sorry I broke the lamp. Would you forget the lamp? Oh no, would you take ten dollars? Forget about it. Give me five dollars of quality. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, well, there is, like, an openness, I guess, to the dialogue or the characters, which is either indicative of the time and place where yeah. it was made. So it's the 70s where they are talking about, like, rape in a way that, like, you know, I think is, like, probably honest. But at the same time, it's like, 
you know, from today's perspective, it's like that's so taboo in movies that it's like, oh, we don't even talk about, you know, it's like yeah. you can't imagine that you'd have even, this would pass anybody's, you know, like green you know, light today. You watch horror yeah, movies, yeah. like, there's rape in every 70s horror movie. It's just because, like, we could talk about it finally, yeah, you yeah, know? So people were just talking it. about no, it. No, you yeah. just don't talk about no, it. No, now it's gone. Yeah, you don't yeah, talk about yeah. anything anymore. That's how, that's why they're, you know. But then all, but all the other characters, they're very, like, open about just their, they're very open and honest about their feelings feelings about yes. like everything you know uh and that was i guess yeah I mean, that's the, one of the the charms and the strength of the movie right and the credit to his screenwriting yeah is that it's all like everybody is that open monologue and yeah or that what would be an internal thought everybody's just constantly spewing out there i feel sick a little nauseous i could be nervous i could be like you know everybody's just <laughs> right. like constantly like what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Yeah. You know, because it could be this or it could be this. It's that constant, like, what choice do I make? Options are what, like, kills the human, like, options are the human condition, I think is what Woody Allen says, you know. Yeah. The constant, it could be that, it could be this. It could go this way, it could go that way. And, like, everybody has to, like, live with every decision they make, you know, for the good or the bad. And you got to, like, how do you make those decisions? I like how, you know, because he's like, you know, he doesn't come off as a, like a dickhead character that wants his best friend's wife. He's like, hey, you know, we're both adult people. You guys have grown apart. We fell in love. We're all in a social situation, you know. I like that line. Last night you felt like a woman. I felt like a man. And that's just what those kind of people do. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Right? That's a great line. But, you know, so, you know, so they're struck with that, like, hey, we're going to handle this. But then right away, she's like, you know, anxious about it, right? You know, right away, you know. But so early, you know, you got to worry about neurotic women. You got to worry about the anxious neurotic women because it's like, hey. You know. Do you feel like up to that, like that night when they do meet up, Woody Allen, he's, or Allen, the character, he's concerned about coming on and getting shot down basically or co- coming on just as a seeming creep. like a rapist and a dickhead yeah like, you know. like to the point he's where he's the friendship then i think is what he's afraid of right? and he's or, putting away candles <laughs> you know he's taking down the flowers he's like no we're friends this is this well, isn't gonna and work like thinking about what tony roberts would do i like the whole like you've seen enough italian italian yeah. movies day <laughs> imbecile yeah. Yeah. even the way he shoots yeah. that scene like is you know it feels like it's know, like up a scene from italian a movie like movie. that yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's the director of this? Uh, have we talked? We haven't even uh, mentioned his name. Uh, He's some guy Paramount uh, hired to uh, yeah. work with Mr. Allen. That's right. what I'm. Uh, <laughs> no, no, work with yeah. But then, like, so when Diane Keaton comes over, it, it feels though that like she is sending him signals as well, right? I mean, yes. I'm not the only one that was. No, 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 yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's just she's like, a little high on her medication. Yeah, she's a little little loopy. And just the timing, chugging champagne. that's what Alan screws up is the timing, because every chance he gets, he's in his head with the Humphrey Bogart yeah. character. I don't think it was until he, you know, because she, she tells him, like, I could never have a casual affair. But then while he, like, kisses he says he loves her. And that's the only reason, because she, like, runs out of the apartment. But then she's, yeah. like, she comes back. Right. She's like, did you say you love me? Because then she's willing to, like, you know, as long as there's, like, love involved, as long as it's something more than just, like, we're not just going to fuck. 
you know, and then right. awkwardly yeah. kiss for the next thirty seconds. Well, yeah. But then they also <laughs> they they show Humphrey Bogart kissing in a movie just to show you like here's Hollywood's beautiful kiss. Here's like what a reality of like a like a goofy nervous guy being able to kiss the beautiful woman he wants and like like having to take like weird breaths and you know yeah I thought that was funny. Well, it's like his whole thing is like you know I mean Woody Allen is like psychoanalyzing himself and I guess the human condition like in every single one of his movies. I mean that also seems to be like everything that I've seen that he's in. It is like it's like an analysis session like played out you know in drama. Yeah, you know, where he's trying to like understand like why you behave this way or why. But know. in order to get that much comedy out of it, I think that he has to be like he he knows who he is like and. Oh, I don't think he's this neurotic person. This is his comedy character. Yes. Jerry Lewis isn't like ah, 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 you know. It's yeah, really, like, right, that's not yeah. what's going on. I mean, so I think. Woody Allen's neurotic character is his character. It's not him at all. I, I think, well, not to that extreme, but I think there's also probably he recognizes certain uh, neurotic tendencies in his character that he, when he puts it on screen, it's it's exaggerated. You know, it's for a comedic effect. But yeah, well, because I don't, I can't say that's him at all. Like I've never seen an interview with him that would lead me to think he's that neurotic at all. All he's this pretty interview, calm. He, he's and just kind this of, is a very. I mean, this is a character that he's been able to play for that he's years. just kept for years. Because this yeah. is his character. You know, this was his stand-up character. It mm. was his. You know, it's the Jerry Lewis thing. It's the. You know. That's why, well, I'm talking about a different movie now, but that's why Jerry Lewis made Nutty Professor in a weird way, to also showcase, like, hey, man, I can do just the same shit like D. Martin could do. Well, I'm not saying he made that to do that, but I'm just saying, like, he showcased himself in a different light than just the goofy, hey, lady person, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think comedy is very easy for people to, like, you know, especially Woody Allen. People judge this guy so harshly based on, I think, his character. I think his character is so believable and real that people hate this guy for real. <laughs> really, I, I admire it. What's the, what the difference is between a character and a persona? Because a character is like a fabricated thing that you you know, inhabit, right? I think a persona would be something you put on in real life. Like, because well, he's not a public if, person. If he was the neurotic, he'd be that persona behind the scenes. I think a well, wouldn't a persona be like, persona here's... be a facet of your... Like, your I'm an action star, so in my, like, when I talk to people, I'm gonna pretend to still have the same sort of, like, face or same sort of yeah so you're not playing a character but i think this guy's just a a whole fully formed like you know backstory and you know set of you know goals and all this other stuff what are you talking about his whole movies are his backstory he's all like get the movies you know listen like me you know i can't believe what she said to me that yeah no i get like in the (laughs) the movie you're playing a character the character is alan the persona it seems to be woody allen because he's carried that across multiple characters and it's like a stand-up thing so I don't know where I was going with this. Well, I was just the, trying to figure out. It's like you know, we're saying that he's playing a character. Well, uh, you know, it's the, not. It's not like his own personal life. Where it feels to me like that is a facet or well, one of I think his the only way private to, personas would be like if you exaggerated this. Right. He would be. But I think it's easier to dissect a person when they are a raw nerve. If they're allowed mm-hmm. to tell you every fucking thing they're thinking, every fear, every whatever. You know, he's laying out the options yeah. to the... Uh, he's, he's laying out... 
I mean, th- that's why I like it is because, I mean, I think everybody has this voice. They just don't fucking tell everybody everything they worry about. But I think exactly. it would sound like this if you walked around spewing what you thought all day. Yeah. You know, you would sound like, do I go, you know, to the fucking restaurant now or do I, you know, do I go shopping later? Do I yeah. wait? Am I going to have to wait in line, you know? I think everybody's – Jesus, I don't want to do that. Brain, know? there's a Woody Allen inside <laughs> everyone's brain. And like somebody that is – You see a long line. Woody Allen comes out like <laughs> – <laughs> Me? Yeah, instead, <laughs> instead of Humphrey Bogart, Woody Allen shows up, <laughs> right? Gone. But yeah, and I, I think that, but you have to like, you know, like you have to know yourself so well to understand those insecurities and make it funny on camera, you know. Which I think every comedian does, that. right? Every comedian, the yeah. whole like dark side is where yeah. you get your comedy from, you know. Yeah, being that raw nerve is where you get your comedy. Being able to show your you know, <laughs> this true. is what's fucking wrong with me. Yeah, Here you know, it is. and you know yeah. you're similar. You know, <laughs> like I'm fucked up, and you know you're right. Right, you're saying, you know you I feel you like felt that the too. same thing before. You know, it's yeah. a it's a That's relatability thing well, in a weird okay. way. But this is like, interesting because it, it's it is a relatability. I mean, when you want when you actually sit down and watch his movies, you see you know yourself in them or people that you know. Or whatever. And you're not nerdy. You're not fucking like. But like, I wonder, he's if, just, you know, as Brent was saying earlier, there are people who like I've talked to who just don't won't ever watch a Woody Allen movie, and I think part of that is this is me guessing, but that you know they haven't. You're not at peace with that aspect of your personality. You hate that aspect of your personality, yes. and you don't want to go see this fucking guy like playing right, right. personality yeah. what's in I think, a movie. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. totally true. I think that's why people just say it, man. What? That's why people don't like religion. I don't think people like to see a being that's supposed to be a good person because they're like, "Well, I'm not good." And you know, I'm not that he's, good. He's, that's just what I think. But in this case, it's like <laughs> it's almost like he's good you know point. he's I don't know if I want to say weak. But he's, you know, he's, he's, he's insecure. He's right? insecure because yeah. you it's have to be weakness. the masculine man to w- yeah. get the woman. You're supposed to be the strong Bogart. That's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be the super ego, the super, I never understood, you know, lay never <laughs> I mean, people more. that don't like him Slug can't understand not being able to do the things he can't do. <laughs> like, they see the character not being able to do certain things, and they can't relate to that. They think like, it's they, annoying they having a whiner. Where right. they don't like, see the wider as right. themselves. They, I wouldn't act like that. I would just do this. Yeah. And they can't identify but they're with not. With but even that, like, this. internal monologue, which I, now we're projecting these things onto fictional people in the world, but, like, that internal monologue is that Woody Allen character. I think it's... You're a, going, I wouldn't be like Woody Allen. No, I'm not like that. I think it's I, I would the be same like this, way, like, you know, you know when people watch, like, Ace Ventura, they don't say it's funny. They say, that's stupid. Sure. It's like why? Because you're afraid to admit that something really goofy makes you laugh. Because you're an so adult now, so you have to call it stupid to, yeah. as yeah. a way to say it's funny. Just because you're too like you can't admit that I think that's funny. Like I've got more pride and I'm smarter than that. That's stupid. Saying, it's so stupid. It's funny. So you're saying people who like it. We'll say, say that it's no. Yeah. I'm just saying people have that weird pride thing where if they see something that. They see is supposed to be. They think is seen as weak or goofy or anything that's like unmasculine or whatever the hell you want to call it. Demasculine. I don't know if unmasculine is a word. Demasculate. Yeah. Unmasculate. Emasculate. Yeah. Right. So they think they'd rather just have like a face and be like, "No, I don't watch that." You know, that's pussy shit, you know, or whatever the fuck. Well, you know? yeah. Like, yeah. Well, because you can't, like, admit that you have feelings or what we live in a prison yard society. 
Well, to be honest, there's nothing that explodes in Woody Allen movies. So, I mean, that could also. There's no, you know, there's no oh, visual. You had to play. listen to dialogue. Woody that's Allen explodes. You got to listen to dialogue yeah. in this movie. Yeah. So. That's true. Yeah. Woody, Woody Allen <laughs> explodes in Woody Allen. Movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I disagree, though, Travis. I think you could watch this with the sound off, and it would be as funny. Yeah. I think I think the dialogue's great, but I think that just watching this one specifically, because I don't I don't know a ton of Woody Allen movies, but I mean this one is like so like I said earlier, it's very physical, and it's hilarious. I mean all the jokes with the with the, when he's going out on a date. I mean that stuff just stands out to me as. Yeah, but a lot of that's just the quick. It's just, the, just the, the shit you don't hear if you don't listen. The stuff that goes by real quick. He's like, I have such mixed feelings about this. Oh, well, yeah. oh, I'm so up, excited. Right. I'm gonna go home and brush all my teeth. <laughs> it's it's the blend. Yeah. It's and don't get me wrong. The dialogue is perfect. Oh my it's, god. I'll have, I'll have my lawyer call your lawyer. I don't have a lawyer. Have him call, call my, my doctor. doctor. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> this kills me. And uh. Oh shit! Like I love it when he he's trying to get his like suit sport coat on before his date shows <laughs> oh, up. Yeah, puts yeah. the one arm and they're coming in, and he does it so fast. Yeah. Like what do you like if you just watch that scene? I mean, as quick as he picks it's it up surprising. and puts his arm in the wrong like I mean, that, and then the way like he he what he like throws the vinyl right. out out of the sleeve, <laughs> throws the sleeve into the mirror so it, like hits a layup, <laughs> then like. Fixes the like a, a cushion yeah, on a yeah, chair, right. puts some weight on it, and it falls forward. <laughs> and, and you can see Tony Roberts like crack up a little bit in that scene. Yeah, you know, right. he like turns away. And yeah. I mean, it, I kind of he just destroys his own part. And that's one of those things where, like, I mean, that's uh, to me, that's that's movie magic right there. I'm like, now are they characters? laughing at a guy in front of him and as friends they're hiding their face or in filming was Woody Allen because Woody Allen I'm sure is a hilarious guy or else he wouldn't have the fucking career he's had sure was he making his actors fucking laugh at that point I think around? he was making him laugh I almost did too yeah, you know? but I almost think that's a little that, real they could keep it in the movie because it's not un- it unrealistic right. for those characters to yeah. be laughing at that but in, in, yeah. in, in, in a weird way, it kind because of, I mean, all the other scenes they stare at him kind of like alien, right? Mm-hmm. But in that scene, they do turn and kind of like hide their smiles there's, and chuckle. I was like, eh, that might be a little real, you know? Right? And, well, there's that, and there's the one where he comes back from the date where he got beat up. He's like, all I need is a three foot band aid, dude. That's a great scene, yeah. man. When uh, that chick goes like, let's 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 go in there, and get high, and watch the freaks. <laughs> I love that. I find a chick like that's a chick from the seventies. That's a yeah. that's a Friday the Thirteenth girl right there. Like, let's go in there, get high. Well, she's is. a normie girl that wants to. And he does the, totally. the other thing that makes his sort of pratfalls funnier to me is my perception of Woody Allen is as an older person. So the fact that he can do this kind of, you know, quick physical comedy, it's surprising to me. And it makes yeah. it that much funnier. Like right. you said, when he throws away the jacket. Because he does it. It's so quick. It's just, <laughs> and shit gets knocked over it's and the knocking down like the chair. Like, his hair. Right. He's got that weird, it's, like, funny balding long hair. That he... <laughs> and the, the, the set designer or whoever must have had a great time setting up oh, his yeah. apartment. Because there's so much shit that you can, like, bowl into. I mean... <laughs> Right. Just stacks and lines of yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a shit ton of tables, and they'll have knickknacks and 
bottles yeah, and bottles magazine, like jars full of pennies and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell that one girl he is, he's a, a interior designer and she's like, oh, really? He's like, oh yeah, the trick to interior design is to make it look like everything's a mess or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that he, you didn't use an interior designer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to say, I think one of my favorite jokes is when he uh, starts... She's like, you're gonna leave those half half uh, open books, you know? You're not gonna leave those half open books like as if you're reading them, are you? He's like, why not? I'm trying to make an impression. Yeah. She's like, what do you think I should play? This this music and this music. She's like, why don't you play this music and leave the other one out so we can all see it? <laughs> it's like good idea. Or he brings out what is it? The track metal? The track metal. Oh, why? I, I paid, paid twenty dollars for it. <laughs> I mean, that's what I like about a wooden. Well, and at least he, later on he just holds it up in mid conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like dangles. Yeah, genius, <laughs> yeah, man. I tell you, the only reason people don't like Woody Allen is because they're being stiff and they're like listening to news about bullshit from an angry wife that, you know, I mean, just, I mean, shit, just a few months ago. Mia Farrow's other stepdaughter came out accusing him of his shit. It's just like, it's shit that, like, Mia Farrow basically fed her daughter. Or at least that's what, you know, because, I mean, it's all been like. Disproven at this point. Pretty, but pretty. Damn, yeah, I'm pretty sure they disproved that already. Because that was just the, another I one of those things. What are the accusations? Mia just Farrow that Mia was Farrow, his wife. Mia Farrow was his. Yeah, was his wife. Was his, was his wife. wife. She, but before they had gotten married, I'm pretty positive. Before, yeah, before they got married, she adopted like Suni. Suni. Okay. And like maybe two other children or whatever. Okay. Yes. Granted, I want to say Suni was like 16 or 17 when Mia Farrow like. Came home and found like the photos of like whatever you know. Because I mean, oh, that's, really she was that young. I want that's uh, the is that the, is what it is. So yeah. it's yeah. So it's not only his adopted. Well, once again, it's not really his adopted daughter. It was Mia Farrow's adopted daughter, right? Yeah. You know, but he was living in the house. He was living all type, uh, yeah. Role. And and she was under. But I don't think she was dead under because what yeah, he got arrested. I, yeah, that's why I she must right. have been seventeen or eighteen yeah. or something. He Unless married her then after he they married her. Divorced. That's what I'm saying. People like, dude, pedophiles don't marry people for the next forty years of their lives and have like, I don't know if they have children. I think they have children. Do they get so. married? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're, they're still, still married, married to this day. Oh. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's a weird fucking situation for sure. Sure, <laughs> but people don't like his art. People don't like it. People purposely go. I mean, this guy has been nominated for like more original screenplays. His actors have been nominated for more, and he he personally brings the performance out of these people. Mia Farrow wasn't a fucking Oscar, you know, nominated actress until she fucking met Woody Allen. He Man, turned she, her into one. Was she up for Rosemary's Baby? I don't think so. Shut up. <laughs> I just made a whole point about. Uh, I want to say she was nominated for Broadway Danny Rose. I want to say that's the movie she was nominated for when it comes to... But I want to say Diane Keaton was nominated for Annie Hall. I mean, almost all his movies get actors nominated. It's like, I think he brings... Either his characters that he writes brings it out of them, or he's able to... He knows his character so fucking much, he's able to explain it to these people. I heard he doesn't even audition people. Yeah, he just knows. No, who he knows he, who no, he wants he to just, play the people, yeah. and then he's just calls and you get stars. it. I mean, he hires people who because uh, only have yeah, because only people. I mean, shit. But some of every that, actor you know, wants to work with him. It's like I always see like it is. I think half the director and half the material, maybe more of the material. Okay, so I can't say half. You got but every actor, Woody Allen movie. You know the Woody Allen movie. Yeah, but he his scripts are so there's 
meat to them, right? Where the actor can play stuff. And then it's like, and then they get nominated for Oscar. It's like, yeah, because I mean, the other movies that we saw this year didn't feature acting of this, you know, depth. Well, just usually. dialogue. You have yeah. to talk. You they have, have to really explain who you are. Most of the running time of the movie. Yes. Whereas a lot of movies, you know, you act. You're, a little li- bit, you're listening to other people talk. Right. Something happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, dude, yeah. this guy. Yeah, genius. Everybody out there, fucking give him a chance because, like, dude, he deserves it. <laughs> He's a genius. Even <laughs> Magic in the Moonlight, his newest one, genius. It's just genius. The guy makes a movie a year, and they're always genius. Well, Blue Jasmine was one Kate Blanchett. Yeah. She won for that, right? Oh, did I she think so. Best actress? Actress? Yeah. She won Best Actress for that. Yeah. It should have well, won, right? won Best Screenplay. Yeah, that was Woody Allen. Okay. Oh, it's great. Is that actress or supporting? I think it was actress. Actress. She's, yeah. yeah, she's yeah. the main oh, character. Yeah, okay. yeah everybody should like see it. Everybody. Well, he's incredibly prolific, if nothing else. I mean, how many movies, what is he, like in his 80s now? Seventy, yeah, well, I, yeah, something like that. Oh, I don't know. Like I want to say he was born in nineteen twenty four, thirty four, thirty. Well, then he's in his. If he's in the thirties, I want to say he was born in maybe thirty nine, or no, maybe forty two. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to keep going up. Mid seventies. <laughs> I want to say. I'll say seventy. Here we go. Here we I'm going to say forty. Oh, shit! He's seventy nine. He's born in nineteen thirty five. Seventy nine. Seventy nine. Seventy nine. And the guy still makes great movies. And right? that's how I know Woody Allen as a 79 How many old. movies are in his filmography? <laughs> I think over 40. Because, I mean, he's Fuck, only not closed, directed... Oh, like uh, sorry. He only not, he's only not directed... Uh, I don't think he directed Bananas. Directed 51, but that could include smaller like shit. fucking crazy. Yeah, but... Oh, okay, like shorts or... Yeah, it like could, or something or in the TV series or whatever. So well, we'll say, like... I think he's has... only done his own movies, though. I don't think he's done TV series or... Shorts. Uh, he's he's doing, is he's he's doing, doing something for Amazon? Amazon. Yeah, he's, he's doing a TV series. Yeah, like he's doing a TV episodes. series. Sweet. I can't wait. I can't wait. I think I'm so glad There's you guys There's an Amazon up, Prime man. subscription right there. I do. I like. I can't believe you guys brought yeah, that up. Yeah, so but uh, I would have forgotten about that. I just found out about that. I was like, what? I saw that. Like, and it's gonna be his quote when they were like, "So, what about this?" He's like, "I can't believe what I've gotten myself into." Like he, he doesn't that's, know that's the persona that he has. He's a humble dude. No, He's but never it's, showed up it's, any the, Oscar. it's funny, right? It's like, I, I don't know what I've got. What are they talking me into? I'm like yeah. laying over my head. Like, that's Woody Allen. You know, like, I mean, that is part of it, his, yeah. uh, his... I think, I don't know. I think well, there's one it's documentary all. right now. You can watch a documentary. I want to say it's just called Woody Allen. Yeah, isn't they... Don't they interview, you, like, everybody? It's the best, because, I mean, it's really hard to find... Uh, in-depth stuff about the makings of his movies. He never has any special features. I know there's like a book or two uh, that people were writing, like following during the process of a movie or something like that. I forget what movie. I want to say the movie that he got divorced on Mia Farrow with. Some a writer was following him for that mm. movie. Can't remember which movie that was. Maybe oh, husbands and wives. I want to say. I would expect there's got to be a bunch of books written about like. I mean, he's he, one but of he's the... such a. He is a true like to me. He is in a weird way. He's old Hollywood. He's an artist, but he has separated himself from every aspect of a celebrity. He's an artist that makes movies, and he's a comedian that did. He's not a celebrity. He, he does everything to me to like squash it out because I mean, look what happened when. He had this weird situation in his life, and it got blew out of like. And he's like, he, I think he's probably like, fuck it, yeah, I'm gonna withdraw. I mean, shit, he lives in Paris. 
I want to say he still lives in Paris. Well, then Could be also, wrong about that. Yeah, Everybody lives in say, Paris. He's like he's a titan, I think, of American the American film industry. The but New he York, makes, like, but he makes movies that feel European. Like there, it's a European sensibility, but very American. Uh, that is settings personality. Why that yeah. is is uh, you know when he first started making movies, he's like, well, they want me to direct my own movies. I better learn about movies. So he started watching Fellini. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and so it's French like yeah, New he like straight up like went. Stra- I mean, because everybody did Spielberg, Lucas. They all watched the. Yeah. I think he was just one of those guys. He knew like to go to the people that are making the best movie. He didn't like. I'm gonna look at comedy movie makers. He went to like movie makers, you know, because he was like writing, you know, screen or whatever these these plays or whatever. So I guess he wasn't. Necessarily- but it also seems like he was. I mean, if that's the case, right? Like if he, because that almost makes it seem like he doesn't have an interest in film until like he's a comedian, and then they want to make movies. So then he gets an interest in film. That's interesting. Then that he's applying that mind to like film and I'm just going to like understand film research film and become yeah. uh, infatuated with film I mean, otherwise watch his first he's movies. always had an interest in because that's what this makes it seem like if this is any kind well, of but and I again, don't think he had an interest in making film you know what I mean that. Loving film and then knowing, okay, being well, interested I, enough to make a film, I think that's what he had to learn. I think he always knew the film and the love he had of the history of film. And, like, okay. if you watch Radio Days, you can get yeah. the love he has yeah, of yeah, old yeah. radio. Right. But I think when they're like, Story hey, direct, yeah. that's why he's like, well, I need to take it to okay. the next level. Yeah, I got you. you know, it's like, yeah. I've loved movies so much. Now I'm, I'm, it's time to learn how do they get made. Yeah. You know, he had to learn. And then it made him, I mean, it's funny because he couldn't stay this comedic filmmaker. And learn the film because he he became a filmmaker. You know, he couldn't yeah. stay the funny guy because, like, no, I'm learning to, like, say so much more with film. You know, I'm learning to say so much more with plays and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, I was like, this guy, real. I mean, this is, uh, to me, Woody Allen is the real, like, this is the arc of a fucking artist. You know, dude, that started with, like, these are the funny thoughts I have. And then, like, throughout the years, he had to learn, like, different ways of, I mean, that's why... Yeah, a lot of his movies have the same theme of a person leaving a relationship and then maybe feeling... But, but, but like, to me, all his movies feel like it's coming at it from a slightly different... It's like, this is a scenario he is rethinking and yeah. rethinking and, and he's rethinking. He's obsessed on over-analyzing. Yeah. Because it can, analyzing himself. Because it can come out in a billion different ways. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. that yeah. scenario can always come out in a billion... And it does, right? Yeah. Every, I mean, that is, in a weird way, that's the human story to right. him. Yeah. To yeah. him, falling in love, having sex, feeling... Bored or complacent, moving on, me- also meeting up with that person somehow down the line when you're over it or getting over it. That's in all of his movies, yeah. most of his movies. Yeah. Having to come face to face and how you handle yeah. that old flame or whatever. So I can't imagine that happened to him. I think Colin and I were talking about this, I think, earlier in the week about how, like, some of the filmmakers, the most prolific filmmakers that from our generation or from any generation, I guess, are the ones that are trying to nail down and understand that certain, like, singular theme. Like, through their films, it's almost like therapeutic, you know, trying to figure out what that, like, it's just like or a little least, slice of life. But or at least the next generation can start thinking about it. It's like, this is, this is, I've thought so much about how this ruins people's lives or relationships or whatever, what have you, that I want to make comment about it in my own art. 
And then you would think maybe, because I, I mean, I think propaganda goes both ways. It could be good or bad. You know, if you got a fucking movie about how bad heroin is, most likely the next generation of kids that are going to watch that movie are going to be like, well, you know, I've seen this one dramatic play that made the lifestyle seem like this, and that guy might have some life knowledge or, you know, so, like, I think, you know, maybe that's why people do that, you know, it's like to continually, like, well, I didn't start thinking about it until this age, and now I'm obsessed with it, so I need to say something about it, that way but you don't think it's another more... person can, you know... I was going to say, you know, the, are you saying that it's not personal, but maybe... Everything's about being a teacher, very... right? And as we grow older, we get wise, and we want to spread our we what we've learned and our experience with others... You know, you share your experience and your wisdom with others, and then you give it to the youth. You know, that way, hopefully, the youth doesn't make the same mistakes. You know, they can circumvent that mistake at 13. You know, like, you goofed around and fucked around and didn't do this, so you can tell this dude, this young kid, hey, make sure you don't do that because I wasted this good span of my life on this problem that you can circumvent by just Mm. fucking not doing it and, like... They're not going to listen to me. <laughs> Problem is, they don't. Yeah, they don't because you think they're. And that's why you keep getting it because funny. they're young and stupid and they don't listen. Yeah, but I also think that, that I mean, through writing and storytelling, it, it does give these filmmakers or you know writers an opportunity to explore a subject matter that they don't necessarily understand. For sure. And maybe well, through the exploration, yeah. they'll they'll learn something more. I mean, when you're given this, when I say opportunity, I mean you're given money to go out for six months and make this movie about you know this theme that you whatever was greenlit and you get to explore that whether it be one theme or in this one you six know months. i mean i want to work on your movie well <laughs> let's say the writer i was gets, gonna say should it be three months for filming a movie well let's not get hung up on the detail <laughs> <laughs> there's a larger message here the, just the idea that you know i mean if you are setting out to explore this theme then uh you might learn something more about it for yourself and through that you might be able to teach other people so i guess yeah it does kind of you, do that. you may be able to teach other people they may be able to teach you yeah, yeah. you, get down, something, you put something out it. there and you can get something yeah. back from people yeah. who see it as well yes. and seeing what comes back at right. because a lot of it seems like motivated by like I mean just the examples that I'm thinking of it's like these directors and then we're talking about writer directors specifically I think people like, than have like, control yeah they write films. the material right. and they direct it they're going I want to after, say that like, Rollins dude has been producing every like probably all fifty movies are produced by that Jack Rollins guy or whatever his name was. I mean he's got he's had the same fucking producers forever. Yeah, but they go yeah. after like this theme. I think like you know John Carpenter's got like a thing about conformity, right? Like that's he's <laughs> making bit. all these movies about. So he's like wrestling with this idea and exploring like all these different facets of it to try and like gain. I think for himself, probably like a better handle on this thing that like probably scares the shit out of him or, yeah. or bothers him or something like yes. that. Woody Allen, it's well, the rela- it's that sexual relationship. I've always I think, thought and, he is know. the symbolism. Of, it's like the free love of the sixties and seventies. You were able to talk about sex. You were able to whatever. And he's a, you know, he's a guy that like yeah, he's always talking about. I mean, it's always about lust, love, mm. uh, jealousy. It's the idea that with the free love society, you still have these psychological things. That's like we have pre either preconceived notions of what it's supposed to be, or you break those preconceived notions down and you find out well, shit, that you know it doesn't exist at all. What I thought was you know A, B, or C. 
is yeah. You know, and yeah. I just think he for somehow maybe maybe making it comedy made it more accessible to him to be able to like look at sex in the way because well, it it's also really funny it that it's bit. also but it's also <laughs> also like you know Benny Hill these like comedians that are kind of like ugly twerpy guys that surround themselves with the hot women that like they because I mean they're nerdy guys that probably never had sex and then got famous and then constantly have sex now because they're famous. <laughs> and I think they do talk about that in their movies in a so weird way. Like, they make focus That is on how it works. That's, That's definitely how it works. As soon yeah. as you start making some cash, it rolls in. Anything before the Not cash. Not the cash. It's, it's, it's the, the fame. It's the fame that it's does it. It's the fame? I think so. I think yeah. it's the cash. I don't know. Fame goes... You could be local... And be famous locally. As long as your money's the thing moving fucking shit around. Well, yeah, I'm saying, like, yeah, like Adam Sandler famous, right? I mean, because you can be, like, a stock market guy, like, rich as, rich as balls. and yeah. But you still have to go out and, like, balls. get the women. Where if you're, like, you know, Hollywood famous, the women come to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I'm talking, yeah, like, rock star fame. That yeah. Whole, like, right. yeah. It's the idea of, like, merging with celebrities. The idea of, like... Of like touching a published conscious like figure or something like that, you yeah. know, somehow having something to do with that, yeah. contributing to that in some weird fucking yeah. way, you know, well, yeah, touching yeah, it. Yeah. It's like that self realization of like yeah. everybody well, knows this person and I fuck that person, so somehow I'm real, you know, yeah. I exist. Yeah, and they <laughs> have a life to those people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that's they, why celebrities like man, those guys. They have a story for life, right? And like the rock star will forget that person nine times out of ten. Yeah, but that person's never going to forget that right, night yeah, they spent yeah, with whoever. Yeah, you know? yeah that's, I mean, that's another. That's yeah. a big deal. How rich so. are your balls, Brent? My balls yeah. are. They're they're okay. They're, they're good. Okay. They're good. They're pretty yeah. good. Okay. Yes. So I looked up the director of this movie. His name is Herbert Ross. He mm. Passed in two thousand and one. And you're like, well, how do I know that name, Herbert Ross, outside of this movie? Uh, he did a movie, nineteen eighty four, called Foot. Lose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Protocol wow. with Goldie Hawn. No, Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Wow. Smile Blue Heaven. Uh, Undercover Blues, Boys on the Side. Then he's so this guy's done three good movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's other ones in there, but oh. like, I recognize them because, you know, they're from my era, but they, I think they have passed into history. <laughs> Still, Magnolia would probably always be like yeah. a femme, like, so. uh, yeah, right? one of those movies they like. Here's your it's like cop- the Golden Girls. It's Congratulations. You, you know, you've given birth to a brand new baby girl. Here's your copy of Dirty Dancing. Here's your copy of Still Magnolias. Here's your copy of Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who remembers pennies from heaven? What was that? Is there postcards from the edge? Was that one? It was carried, not one of his. No, no but that's one from that. That's a yeah. card carrying chick flick, right? Is it? Is it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I've, I've always heard just those three. I think, like... I think you're putting words into a sentence, and I think, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it. So, I've never seen it. So it's time for uh, <laughs> mailbag. 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 Igor. Igor. Are you around? Igor. Masters. Masters. The mail. I've got the mail. So many letters. Our followers are rising. Rising. All right, get the hell out of here, Igor. All right, so we've got a couple of uh, comments on our Back to the Future 2 no episode, which you can find, again, iTunes, Stitcher. Gotta get back in time. Check it out, folks. It's a good one. 
The first comment comes from Nick Hammond. Wait, wasn't Nick Hammond on that? No, he wasn't on that episode. But hello, Nick. He says, hey, guys, just listen to the podcast. And I'm sorry, Brent and Colin, but I am with Travis on this one for the first time. But I am not a fan of part three either. Fuck yeah, Nick. Nick. The first sensible thing I've heard. (laughs) Why? Because I wasn't here. So. Oh, damn it. We can't nope. have this. No, we'll get into it. <laughs> All right. We'll do that Colin, after the podcast. We got time. Go. Colin, who have time? Why not? Why not? Who else we got writing in, Colin? Uh, Sean Anderson <laughs> writes in, I don't have a lot to say about either Back to the Future Part 2 or his 3. His comment is bigger than his. I'm curious to get your take on the upcoming Project Almanac and whether or not you feel future time travel movies can come out with being fairly or unfairly compared to Back to the Future. It could be good. That Project Almanac, it looks like what's going to be like found footage, like butterfly effect. Yeah. Something we did. It's called Project Almanac? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like Chronicle, but with And like, it looks like it's Chronicle mixed with Final Destination or something like that. Wait, this is a movie? Yeah, yeah it's a movie coming out. Uh, January, January 20th, 30th, 30th, 2015. Really? It looks pretty good. It's Time a travel movie, I've never Brent. heard anything Obviously. about this. No, I haven't heard CW's anything CW's been playing this. lots of, because, uh, you know, it's a very teen, like, you know, it yeah, looks exactly like Chronicle. A bunch of kids find a bunch of thing, and they're like, this thing does something. Put it together. What? <laughs> then, like, so, you know, I don't know. What, they go back to high school? I don't fucking know. Is it a but sequel? It, no, it's no. its own thing. But it's called Project Almanac. Oh, not Chronicle Almanac. Right. No, oh. Project Almanac. Beast and three but it has a, uh, you know, I mean, that's a tie to Back to the Future too. Do you feel, Brent, that all time travel movies are compared favorably or unfavorably to the Back to the Future Series. I don't. Uh, I don't think you can compare all. I mean, I don't think that Back to the Future the series is like the pivotal back uh, time travel movie. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I think it's not, it's think? not the, it's not the touch. It's not the touchstone it's, for well, time travel. I, I think there's like three. There's like this is going to be out of my ass, but I think that there's like two or three uh, like theories that people subscribe to about time travel, and Back to the Future would be like. The tentpole theory, like one of those theories, like the idea that you can go back in the past and run into yourself in mm-hmm. the past, and then you can, you know, you can alter by going back to the past. You can alter something and go back further, and every, or go back to the future, and everything will be all fucked up, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's like a theory. And then there's like the time cop theory, <laughs> where like you can go back as yourself and I, re-inhabit your own body. Holy shit, we might have to think of. I've got like right? another like fucking like case on that like i might i think there has to be a biff marty well biff marty's in a uh biff marty's biff planet marty's in a like a like a prep school isn't he that's why he's not in that town yeah i think okay he's in yeah, Switzerland. there is a there is a third marty in the universe in biff planet yeah oh right biff yeah, world yeah, but yeah, he's at sure. like a prep school okay yeah. never mind yeah. I, I thought that was like i was like why, another loophole why he doesn't run into him but i think yeah. there is a like oh right, what happened you away. ran away again or no. something like that or you well yeah. biff comes in and says out again or something yeah he's like you're supposed to be in switzerland you little son of a bitch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so he probably is so, so okay never yeah. mind about that sorry yeah, he's like not even in the country he's right it's safe convenient yeah for more exciting time travel uh what's your problem back to the future part two podcast now Colin likes part show. three I like it we'll talk after the show so <laughs> don't need western don't need three <laughs> wrap ups on uh, played against Sam begins with Brent it does it, uh, so um, when, when you go into a Woody Allen film like I think we've 
kind of been talking about this all night. There's lovers and there's haters, right? I mean, haters. there's not like, there's not like a lot of gray area there. Like it's, I love Woody Allen or I hate him. It I seems call like the people that are film fans and the people that don't watch me. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom. if you, I mean, if you love Woody Allen and I, uh, so Travis is showing me all these films on the freak show and yes. I'm, I'm, you know, converting you slowly. I'm realizing that I'm a lover. Like I didn't know this because I just hadn't explored it. Like I think before we started the freak show, I had seen, you know, the big ones and uh, the one he did with Will Ferrell. Because at the time, you know, I was a big, I'm still a big Will Ferrell fan. But Which one did you know, you do with Will Ferrell? it was like uh, it was two names, like Melinda, 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 Melinda. Uh, I want to say that yeah. might not be right. Was I know that? that's I know that's a Woody Allen movie, but is that but Will yeah, Ferrell? yeah, that's the one because it. it it takes this. Not it, one of his Scarlett Johansson movies. It's not Scarlett like Johansson. Match. No, he did. He did Scoop, Melinda, Melinda, something. Vicky like, Christina. Vicky Barcelona. Christina Barcelona. Yeah. yeah, those are like I don't like those. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time I didn't like. <laughs> but I, I liked Melinda, Melinda because you know it, it chronicled two alternate universes of this one girl's life. Really. And it, it went back and forth between them where like she was a good girl and she was a bad girl, you know, and it, throughout the whole film, it was, it was cool. Um, experimental kind of, I guess for, for the Woody Allen, uh, genre, if you can call it a genre, the thing I like about Woody Allen and Travis looks like he's going to say something. Or, well, I was just, cause you're pretty experimental. He's, like, he's a pretty fantastical film. Like if you watch it, yeah. Most of his movies don't take place in a reality. Like they can always be very fantastical. Like so, almost any of his movies, no matter how serious they look, can always like what? That's a good like, point. This yeah. is the he's got. He I don't know. That's why I like his movies. He's yeah. serious, but he allows the imagination. And he's like, I'm telling a story. Fucking doesn't matter. Like reality doesn't matter. Right. Don't think so hard. No, that, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. So. We're talking about Melinda Melinda. I don't know why, but that that does fall into his other films. Like, okay, my point is when you see a Woody Allen film and you like Woody Allen or you love Woody Allen, you're pretty much set for, like, the rest of his career. I mean, you can go back and watch all of his films. Um, if you were lucky enough to be watching that, like, watch the rise of Woody Allen, if you want to call it that, then, you know, like, every time you go to the movie theater you're to see a Woody Allen film, you're going to get the experience that you're expecting and that you like are you, or that Travis, you love. Shannon, are you? Most, of, so, most yeah. of the time? To me, there's a comfort of it. Well, yeah. I, like, you know, you're going to get, it's like, you it's fall a, into that room and you're like, it's ah. a good screenplay. You know, like, oh my God, it's going to be fun to listen to these people talk. Just like Quentin Tarantino. That's nice. It's going to be fun mm. to listen nice. to people talk. When it's fun yeah. to listen to people talk, I like right. that. And you're, just change ideas and you're going to be able to sit there and be like, oh fuck, that's a fucked up idea. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you're, you're not going to be bored. Um, cause scenes because of the dialogue. And like I said, you know, I mean, this movie has both, it has the witty dialogue and it has the physical comedy. So you're definitely not going to be bored in this film. I was watching it, wanting it to continue on, you know, you, sometimes you watch movies like this with lackluster dialogue and you're just like looking at your watch, wanting it to just, you know, wrap up like, okay, I get it. Let's just get this done. Uh, right. I, I think to uh, I think other people would do this, but maybe make it too. I imagine some other people would do something like this, but make it too big. Like uh, this movie seems more set in, and I know we just talked about how his movies are fantastical, but more set in a serious tone, kind of. But or, or, let's put it this way: his 
his acts and his dialogue are taken more seriously. No one's looking at it like, what, what the hell did you just say? Like, they're accepting of what he says and everything. They ignore yeah. it. Right, they like, ignore it. It's passing off. Like, it's him. Like, yeah. I think... Uh, it's for you, the audience. It's right. not for the character. He's right. making this side joke. Even though there's a there's one time in, in, in uh, Annie Hall where he makes this funny comment that the chick's like, Wait, you quit smoking 12... Wait, are you joking? And, like, she stops oh, this she, movie, yeah, like... I'm trying to remember that. And she he's like... The you know, he <laughs> looks at her like an idiot, like, yeah, of course I'm joking, you know? Fuck, why would I say nonsense without a big... You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I like that in this movie that doesn't happen. It's just, you know, like you said, it, it's ignored or, you know, it's just, you know, what it is. And I, I like that. I think other filmmakers yeah. can't, can't do that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that he has presented himself as that fantastical filmmaker, and now he's a brand, now right? It's accepted. So when you see it, you don't question it. And also, I mean, within the film, they set it up pretty quick that these characters are just going to ignore him, and he's going to talk <laughs> right. to himself. And I know it's for the audience, but I also do kind of believe that this character would just be sitting in his bathroom talking <laughs> he's to He's so neurotic. Yeah. I'm so depressed. Right, so yeah. crazy. I mean, and it, it's you know the fantasies are one thing, and then like the the like the hair dryer stuff that's just taking <laughs> taking the comedy to the that's next crazy. level. And when you realize like that's the ride you're going to be on for the next hour and a half or whatever, like for me that's great. I love it. I'm I'm in. So I would highly recommend that if you're out there, a give Woody Allen a chance, and if you don't already, or if you haven't already, and b watch this movie, play it against Sam because. It's it's fun. It's dynamite. Slow clap. <laughs> That's one. That's you got fun. you got one from the easiest critic here. Yeah, yeah. It was right. a good speech. It was a good yeah. You know. um, if I plead Woody Allen's case, it just sounds like yeah, fuck it, you know. <laughs> we got Brent. Yeah. That's um, what it's uh, it's it's a very good movie. Um, Actually, can I get uh, the more I, I haven't seen a lot of Woody Allen. Most of it's been you know through Travis here at the Freak Show. But the, you know the more I watch, like I haven't seen a Woody Allen movie that I don't like. Like his writing is, it's it's funny. It's it's pretty brilliant when you look at it. So um, I I definitely recommend this movie. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know how. I, I think if you're gonna go with Woody Allen, I think start early and go through. Maybe yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. More comedic early on. Like, I think he's so. Very comedy, and then he goes more serious, and then he's the nice like mixture. Of yeah, it, you know. I, I like what I'm seeing uh, in his early stuff. I mean, we watch Bullets Over Broadway. We watch this. Like, it's it's funny. I'll I'll watch more. Um, uh, I give it a thumbs up, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I like it. More Woody Allen, please. Well, to echo what uh, Sean says, I mean, I really haven't seen a Woody Allen movie that I didn't like. It was just you know one of those things where, you know, I don't know if it was some kind of personal bias and it, on my part that like it never really seemed like you know when and I think this is his problem at large is that you know his stuff. Uh, see, this sounds terrible. I was going to say it just doesn't seem very interesting at a passing glance, <clears throat> and so you pass it by. And then, you know, when we see it, and I mean, you know, thanks yeah. to Travis that we've been watching a lot here, and I think at one point you loaned me a bunch of them, and I went through and saw them, and, like, I can't complain about any of them. I mean, they're all, like, very well-made movies. The only thing is, like, 
I know while I was watching this movie, I think you loaned this to me in this batch of, of Woody Allen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, as I'm watching it, I'm like, this seems familiar. I've seen this before, so it didn't like stick in my memory. And again, I think it's just my own interest in the subject matter. But I would say that, you know, this is very well done. I think also it's because it's got the same three people that are in, like, at least the three of us, so you get them all kind of blended together. This but, is MGM cast, <laughs> yeah. and he, like, went to, like, Mia Farrow. Yeah. Well, that was still MGM. But, yeah, I mean, he's uh, a, you know, skilled writer, um, you know, comedic performer. He's got timing, you know, down to it. I mean, it's funny. Um, it's dramatic. It It's, uh, you know, touches on, uh, I think, Universal, anybody who's human can watch it and, you know, uh, get something out of it. I would, uh, and, you know, as a film lover, I think that adds this extra layer to this particular movie. And I think there's a couple other ones too that he's done, but this one, you know, Purple Rose of Cairo, you know, comes to mind. But, you know, this one, uh, it kind of, you know, as you're seeing it through that lens, it's like, you know, this is, it, it adds like an extra thing to it. So, yes, uh, thumbs up. Well, I will always give a thumbs up to a Woody Allen movie. Uh, this was the first one I ever saw, and it was like, you know, I love it for a sight, you know. And then that's what this is. Woody Allen made me think I wanted to be this, like, really in depth, thoughtful film, like, student of film. Like, I want to know more about this film and writing of characters and exploration of characters. But then the more I watch movies, I'm like, ah, fuck, no one does it but Woody Allen. Like, I, I think Woody <laughs> Allen just writes such great goddamn characters that. I mean, I just don't think people do that anymore. I mean... What do you think about, like... I mean, you watch a lot of, like, Japanese... You know, foreign films. Do you see that they they do this? Uh, I mean, me... I mean, my foreign films are, what, horror? I mean, I kind of... I don't necessarily, like, go out and look at the, uh... Like, the comedies of foreign films or whatever. I'm a little close-minded on that front. (laughs) (laughs) I like like science fiction, foreign films, and horror movies from foreign... (laughs) Oh, well, that's all about, like, once again, that's the interest level, right? I got to get on the interest level. Then, like, maybe if I find a funny Korean guy, I'll watch more of his movies or something like that. Like, I am kind of interested in watching more Jackie Chan. Once I saw the original Drunken Master, I'm like, I got to go watch him. I got to go back and watch some old Jackie Chan. That guy's funny as hell. So, uh, I mean, I do think this guy is is really uh, important. the reason I wanted to show this is we, one of our first movies was True Romance, where Quentin Tarantino wrote a screenplay where a kid who sits in a movie by himself meets a girl and was imagines that, that was, Elvis Presley. That was my first movie. That was my first movie. That was your first movie? <laughs> that was my first fiction. <laughs> and, I, and I'm Call pretty back. sure, I mean, I've got no evidence of this, but, but knowing Quentin Tarantino, how much he loves to like recall back to movies that shaped him, it was like, let's play it against Sam, talking to your... Your super ego, the person you mm. deem to be the male figure, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to show, like, hey, this is what Quentin, what I think, at least, Quentin Tarantino saw that gave him the idea to put that aspect of t- into true romance, let alone just trying to, like, I mean, people always, like, I'm like, it's time for a Woody Allen movie. People go, Ugh. I'm like, God damn it, you they don't do. understand. Like, yeah. he's a genius. <laughs> he's do. a fucking genius. I think, like, <laughs> and I think you have that, you might have that feeling right up until you start watching it. Like, once you start watching, you are, you're in, you're there. Because the music's like, right, but I think that feeling, like, it goes through every person, like, all right. 
But as soon as they start watching, they're just it's like, like, try it. You're going to like it. You know, I mean, right. it's like, <laughs> you're going to like it. <laughs> you got to give you got to get over that, that road, road, but that, right. I mean, I, I'll still say within, like you said, there's 51 movies to his credit. So like within I'm technically fi- directing, I'm, yes. I would still say out of the 51, there's got to be at least seven. I don't like. But, like, eh, most of them were like, this guy's fucking just on it, on it, on it all the time, you know? Watch every Woody Allen movie. Watch this movie. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Haven't been disappointed yet. Yeah, that's pretty much whatever. All right. That's it. <clears throat> so that's a four recommendations for Planning and Sam. Listener, I hope you made it this far. <clears throat> that's the only thing we that we... pretty interesting know. towards the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the first no. half hour, we got into it. <laughs> I think so. We apologize for that first half hour. Like, you know, it's like they see Woody Allen and like, eh. But it's like, okay, so we're talking to you. We assume that you are a Woody Allen fan and actually are listening to us talk about it. Are these, are, are, these are our wrap-ups on the podcast. Now. Yeah, we're right? wrapping up the podcast. Please yeah. excuse this podcast since it was about relationship stuff. <laughs> but next week, Brent is bringing the freak back to the freak show oh, with yeah. his pick. Shit. Uh, next week, we are going to watch. Well, uh, Gary's coming back. I do. And in honor of that, uh, we are going to watch Strange Brew. Holy shit, eh? Eh? Oh, yeah. Crazy. This is SCTV. We're going to hang out with the McKenzie brothers. brothers. Yes, sir. Bob and Doug. Shit, man. It's going to be wild. I have no thoughts on this choice. Are you going to be here? Because I will not be here. You won't be here. Have you seen Strange Brew? I don't know. You know who the McKenzie brothers are? Rick Moranis and the dude from Grace on the Fire. Doug and Doug. Bob and Doug. Sounds familiar. Bob and Doug. Bob and Doug. I'm sure I've seen something. Some people have seen this. <laughs> so that's next week on the Saturday Night Freak Show. Sean, thanks for stopping by. Sean will be a by again. No, no problem. Yeah, you'll see uh, me again. So that's uh, you already know where to find us. I've said it a couple times during the show. So that's it. And good night.